Here's something to know about gun violence. Chicago's homicide rate had not changed much for more than a decade. Then suddenly, in January of 2016, it rocketed up. That month had twice the number of killings of a typical January. Almost all were shootings. And the killings have just kept coming and coming. WBEZ's Chip Mitchell is taking a close look at things that might have sparked the shooting surge, including a shocking moment that isn't usually included on the list. Since Chicago's shooting surge began 16 months ago, it's killed more than 900 people. People are mad. That's Derek Brown. He says he climbed the ladder inside a big West Side gang, then left about 10 years ago. He now teaches boxing to young men in that part of town, guys who are at risk of getting shot or shooting someone else. Brown says he noticed something change in late 2015, right after the city released a police dash cam video that shows a white police officer fatally shooting a black teen named Laquan McDonald. Everyone seen the same video and everybody realized that we're having the exact same problem. One of Brown's students told me he saw himself in McDonald. He wouldn't let me use his name, but he said he watched the video over and over. Over 30 times at that time. And I actually watched it again over the months because it's like, dang, they really shooting at the man for what? It just kept going on in my head. Brown says the video ignited something and that it still affects his students and their peers. They are mad and don't know how to channel that anger. Instead of them lashing out on the authority figures, they're lashing out on each other. It's just like if my parent whoops me in the house, just whoop me for no reason, it's easier for me to lash out on my little sister than going at my parent. Then, once one corner shoot at one corner, of course the other corner is going to bust back. Many people on Chicago's south and west sides tell me they feel the change Brown's talking about. Uh, Gwendolyn Holiday, DeAndre Holiday's mother. In January of last year, DeAndre was 24. He and his girlfriend were at a party, and she got into a fight. Holiday says her son tried to help, but that led to a skirmish with some men he didn't know. She says DeAndre tried to leave. As he was getting into his car, one of the guys walked up to my son and shot him as he was getting in the car three or four times. DeAndre died on the spot. Over the next few weeks, Gwendolyn Holiday heard about the other young African-American men getting shot. She says it seemed like people were riled up, like all of a sudden there was this attitude. I'm going to get you before you get me. She now wonders whether the Laquan McDonald video, everyone seeing that officer shoot him, she wonders whether it activated something. It really don't take much. You know, it's like you light a fuse, it's going to go off. Now, it may seem far-fetched to blame a video for a city's shooting surge, but some policing experts are taking the idea seriously, experts like Northwestern University political scientist Wesley Scogan. What that event made clear to larger numbers of people was the extent to which the police could be perceived as acting with relative impunity on the street when they were policing poor and, and black communities. But how widespread was that perception, and could it really erupt into violence? WBEZ's been pouring through academic research and city data to see. We found some trends that you can see in charts at our website. One has to do with calls to 911 about people getting shot. We tracked the number of those calls per actual shooting victim, and we saw a change at the end of 2015. That was during the city's uproar about the McDonald video. The calls to 911 per victim fell by nearly 20%. 
That drop might be a sign that some people were giving up on the authorities. A phrase for that in criminology is a police legitimacy crisis. That's a narrative about what sparked Chicago's shooting surge that doesn't get much attention. There's another narrative that does. It carries a lot of weight with police officers. No, you can go farther back. Yeah, go ahead. You can recline. Or... Officers like this one I interviewed in his pickup truck. Check, check, check. Are we recording? He spoke on condition we not name him because he didn't have CPD permission to talk. What I can say is he's part of a specialized unit that works on the west side. He says what elevated the city's violence had to do with what cops were allowed to do and whether they felt like they had support. First, a new state law and a city settlement with the ACLU required officers to use a longer form to document their street stops to make sure they weren't violating constitutional rights. No problem. But now you got this form that's two pages long. The fear was that the documentation would be used to discipline officers, even prosecute them. The other big thing, he says, was the city's release of the McDonald video. It looks bad. looks terrible. We just, we, we, you know, look, you kind of huddle up and you're like, here we go. He says the relentless protests and new scrutiny for cops pushed many to quit policing proactively. And he says this is what that meant on the streets. You go to a job, things start to escalate. Now, what do I do? Oh, because I go to, I see this, guy's running through the gangway, I go to chase him. Oh, okay, what if now, now I grab him, the guy's got a gun, he starts fighting with me. Now what? Are they going to back me? What, what is something bad? At? Well, look, you did this, this happened as opposed to just simply being a presence and answering your calls. He says the decision by cops to pull back did not go unnoticed by criminals. Which is a direct cause of the shootings and homicides going up. We looked at data on police activity, and we did find that the number of times cops stopped people to ask questions and maybe frisk them, those dropped by more than 80 percent just before the city's gun violence rocketed up. All right, so those two narratives to explain the shooting surge, the idea that cops had pulled back, and that other idea that they had just lost legitimacy, in in a sense, they're like two sides of the same coin. Call it the Laquan effect. But just for a sec, let's consider whether the shooting surge came from something else. I brought a list of possibilities to Jens Ludwig. He's an economist who heads the University of Chicago Crime Lab. Poverty? No. Youth joblessness? No. Segregation? No. Those are factors that didn't change dramatically at the end of 2015. Meaning they don't explain why the shooting surge started. Neither does the availability of guns. Probably not. The state of Indiana did not get any closer to the city of Chicago at the end of 2015, which is where a large share of the guns come from. Police staffing cuts, the recession, public housing demolition, clinic and school closings. The timing doesn't fit. Ludwig says the shooting surge also doesn't seem tied to incarceration levels, Illinois' budget impasse, or the weather. Doesn't fit the pattern. And what about gang fragmentation, or the rise of opioids, or provocations on social media? Maybe, who knows? Who knows, he says. Gwendolyn Holliday, that mother who lost her son to a shooting last year, she says it's important to find out, and for the whole city to understand. We need to know what it is we're doing wrong, because apparently we're doing something wrong. This year's numbers would suggest that. So far, there have been as many homicides as last year at this point. Chip Mitchell, WBEZ. Investigative reporting and in-depth journalism at WBEZ is made possible in part with support from Doris and Howard Conant.